1: Welcome to another episode of the official Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club podcast, bringing you all the latest news, updates, and buzz surrounding your mighty Jackson State Tigers. I'm Charles Bishop. Be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast to be notified of each new episode. Apple users rate and review the show, and everyone follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Twitter. It all helps the cause, which is the I love Jackson State University. I have the distinct honor and privilege uh, to introduce uh, to the podcast uh, an individual who is part of uh, Jackson State lore, who is part of one of the greatest teams in Jackson State history. And, you know, we had a podcast a few months ago where we talked about uh, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and it is a distinct honor to introduce uh, Roy Curry. Uh, To the Jackson State fan base and to the Jackson State podcast. Coach Curry, welcome to the 1400 Club uh, with uh, the Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me here.
1: Uh, The honor is all mine. I really am appreciative that you had an opportunity to come on. And I wanted to. Uh, one of the things that we want to do with the podcast, we we constantly talk about bridging uh, the gap between uh, the older uh, alumni fan base with the current generation uh, of of Tiger fans, and really bringing that history uh, to the forefront in, in terms of talking about our great athletic tradition. And you are distinctly ingrained in that Jackson State football tradition. So it is an honor to have you on, sir.
2: Oh, it's so nice to be on with you. Uh, it's well, just good It's just good to hear someone's voices during this time or what we're going through, and I'm enjoying you the utmost
1: yes, sir. and and and, and indeed, very challenging times, and it does bring kind of the question uh, in terms of you know when we take a look back at the the era in which you played at Jackson State. Uh, we're looking, uh, a lot of people look at that era. It's kind of the golden era of HBCU football. And I just kind of wanted to start off the podcast in terms of you, uh, just kind of talking about that time period you played. Uh, we're looking at the late fifties, early sixties. It's the John F. Kennedy administration. Kind of talk about that time frame in history.
2: We just had so many great teams back in that time. Uh, we were loaded. Everybody was loaded because uh, this be, this was before integration came in, and, and all the historical black colleges had all the great black ball players. And, I mean, you call off one team, you can call off another team. You can call off Grambling University, Southern University, Florida A&M, Bethune, cookman you can just go all the way down the line. Of course, Jackson State, Tennessee State, everybody had great teams. And the football players back at that time, no matter what era that you played in, if you were great, you were great. They'll be great today, just like the ball players that came along before the uh, late 50s and early 60s. They will be great.
1: And and I'm curious because I'm I'm trying to, I guess, envision, uh, what was it like uh, being uh, a a student uh, at Jackson State College and and a student athlete at Jackson State College during that time?
2: Well, we had a great mentor, a great coach, father figure, and Coach John Merritt, Coach Joe Gillum, Jr., uh, uh, I'm sorry, Joe Gillum, Sr., and Coach Mm -hmm. Coleman, uh, Coach uh, Wilson. We just had great mentors, and they all taught us the right things to do, and they engaged in helping us to get our class work. But the most important thing, we were just like all brothers at Jackson State College, and I can imagine that would be the same for the other university. But we, we lived in two Army barracks. And mm-hmm. it was family all the way. And mm-hmm. everybody helped each other. And we just grew, we grew, we grew, and we just got better and better as the years went along.
1: Uh, you, you, you talked about playing uh, for Big John Merritt, and you come out of the Clarksdale, Mississippi area, Higgins High School Uh, and it depends on who you talk to in terms of that Mount Rushmore of HBCU football coaches, uh, be it Jake Gaither at Florida A&M, be it Eddie Robinson at Grambling, uh, Billy Nix, Prairie View, you know, uh, Ace Mumford at Southern. But you play for uh, arguably one of the greatest coaches in HBCU football and Big John Merritt. Kind of talk about uh, John Merritt for this generation of fans who might not know who he was?
2: John Merritt was a gentleman, but let me tell you something. He had the greatest part of him being like a psychologist. Hmm. Uh, he, could, he could do things with you that no one else could. He'll make you feel that you are the greatest person in the world. And I thought that was his greatest asset. that the way he held everybody, it was differently. Uh uh he was a a person that pushed you all the time and got the best out of you. Uh mm-hmm. but we had great athletes now. Of course you mm-hmm. you got to say uh when you started talking about Jackson State back in that particular time, the greatest one of the greatest athletes that had ever been to Jackson State Willie Richardson. Uh yes, sir. And, And, of course, uh, his brothers. Uh, I had three of them as my receivers. But Coach Merritt just got the best out of us. That's what the greatest thing about his uh, coaching ability.
1: What was that recruitment process like for you with uh, John Merritt uh, coming and bringing you to Jackson State?
2: Well, you know, it's amazing. I looked up one day. And he was there at Higgins High School, my high school. And, mm-hmm. of course, uh, he said, I want to bring you in as a football player. And he said, I know my cousin, Coach Wilson, want to bring you in as a basketball player.
1: So wow. what are we going <laughs> to
2: do, we're going to let you play football, and then you can play basketball afterwards. And mm-hmm. that well that was the great thing that got me when he told me I could play both sports. And my first mm-hmm. year I did play both. Uh but I played on the junior Vosk basketball team, not the Voska team. And I and uh Willie Willie he played. And uh, we had another guy named Al Greer, he played. So we all had fun, but he had a way of getting to you now. He he knew how to get to you. Okay?
1: Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. And, and you know, uh, I, you, you mentioned uh, the cousin of John Merritt, uh, who was the basketball coach at Jackson State at the time, uh, Harrison Wilson, uh, the grandfather of uh, current Seattle uh, Seahawks uh, quarterback, Russell Wilson. So I, I found that that, that uh, sort of connection very interesting in terms of they I, – I did not know that they were cousins.
2: Yes. Yes, they were. They were. They were cousins. And uh, Coach Wilson is responsible for Coach Merritt coming to Jackson State University back in 1953, I think it was. Okay. Uh, coach Wilson was already there uh, as the head basketball coach. And of course, Coach Wilson went on, when everybody left Jackson State, Coach Wilson went on to be the uh, uh, president of uh, Norfolk uh, College.
1: Yes, indeed. Uh, That is a a fascinating story. Uh, You know, we we get to uh, your teammates uh, who were at Higgins with you. uh, Coach James Carson, Big Daddy Carson, who later becomes head coach at Jackson State, and Ed Holmes. Uh, Kind of talk about uh, your teammates coming with you to Jackson State. Well,
2: he came in, Coach Merritt. And he was mm-hmm. talking to me, and he said, "Do you have anyone else here on this good team that you had? Because we had gone uh, eleven and zero that year, I think." And I say, "Yes." I say, uh, "I got a guy by the name of Jane Carson, and I got a guy by the name of Ed Holmes. Both of them mm-hmm. were my offensive tacklers and defensive no guard and tackle." Uh, so he said. You think they can play at this level? I said yes, they can, and he scholarshiped all three of us. That was that so awesome. great. That was so
1: great. And and you know I'm 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 really just fascinated. Uh, as you start you take over the reins of Jackson State's offense, uh, 1961, and, and you guys you go nine and two during that season. Uh, you you end up losing to Florida A&M in the uh, Orange Blossom uh, Classic. Uh, for the 1961 championship but was there a, I guess a point in time during that season where you knew that Jackson State uh, you were on the cusp of something really special?
2: oh definitely so definitely so uh, you know what I was saying uh, we had so many great ball players and it just it was just a matter of time just a matter of time and we loved each other just like brothers. And we outworked everybody. I I really believe we outworked because we were going three times a day sometimes. Uh, We'll get up early in the morning uh, and then come back at at 2 o'clock, then come back out at 7.30 at night. And we just worked hard, and everybody uh, found out their niche in the game and we were ready to play. We were ready to play. I know we'll forget what Jay Gator said about us when we got ready to play them the second year, the year we won against Florida a He said, I saw you guys against uh, Tennessee State, and I just knew that it was going to be very difficult for us to win. And at wow. that time, you listen mm-hmm. to this, they had a backfield of the greatest sprinter in the world, okay, and they had another guy, Paramore, Uh, one Robert of the greatest running, yes, sir. running backs, and then they had another guy, Bobby Phelps. All three of them end up playing bo- uh, football, but Bob Hayes was the threat. Bob Hayes, and then, of course, uh, Bobby Phelps. And they had a great quarterback at that time. Uh, I just can't call his name right now. But they mm-hmm. were loaded too, and so, but he knew that we had the team that could beat him.
1: And, and you mentioned uh, those teams, uh, those players on the Florida A&M team. Of course, the great. Bullet Bob Hayes, who uh, set the world record in the 1964 Tokyo Olympics, uh, running a 10.6 in the 100 meters. But I, I'm just I'm fascinated by the amount of talent uh, that, that not only Florida A&M had, but our Jackson State Tigers had. Uh, you mentioned Willie Richardson, who is one of the all-time great uh, Jackson State Tigers, but Gloucester Richardson, Thomas Richardson. You mentioned Al Greer, uh, Speedy Duncan's. Papa Hayes, and that's just on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, we haven't even gotten to the defensive side of the ball, and there were NFL players on that side as well.
2: And you got that right. Taff Reed, we had uh, uh, Danny Pride. uh we had uh, Harold Cooley. We, we were loaded. We were loaded all the way down. And, 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 and of course, uh, we had Dunning Biggs, uh, mm-hmm. Frank Mowland. Corey Bacon, uh, Ben McGee, all this on the defensive side,
1: and, and, and all these guys and Everybody I'm
2: naming now played pro ball close to ten years.
1: Wow, yeah, <laughs> that but, is that is amazing. phenomenal,
2: just amazing. And, and 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 you know, Charles, that uh, Jackson State got four guys in the Hall of Fame. Uh my wife Holland saying five. I I sometimes <laughs> four. Am I right? Is yes, it four or five?
1: Yes, sir. It's four uh four guys, uh, Walter Payton, uh, Lim Barney, uh, uh Jackie Slater and of course the newest edition, Robert Brazil. Yes, sir.
2: That's right. Got four guys in the Hall of Fame. And and, and and you you can look around at all the other universities and it's very difficult to find four guys from a small school like Jackson State in the Hall of Fame.
1: No doubt about it. And and, and one of the uh, – and, and I'm not going to say he's an unsung hero, but uh, Joe Gilliam Senior uh, was very instrumental in your success at Jackson State. Uh, as the offensive coordinator, talk a little bit about, about uh, I guess, the style of play during that time and how uh, Joe Gilliam was just ahead of his time during that uh, time frame in history. See, what happened, he had played
2: quarterback uh, at uh, Virginia Union, and he knew the game. And he had gone to the University of Indiana, and uh, he had a chance to play professional ball, but they didn't want him to play quarterback. And, of course, he said if he couldn't play quarterback, he didn't want to play. So Mm. he he knew the game from that standpoint. But Joe was really the the quarterback coach, but he was the defense coordinator. Uh, Coach Coleman was the offensive coordinator. And that's where everybody got confused. Now, Coach Gilliam worked with me at quarterback, because he was the quarterback, but Coach Coleman was the offense coordinator, and Coach Gilliam was the defense coordinator.
1: Wow! Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm curious with with Coach Gilliam uh, in terms of uh, him working with you. I mean, what what skills did he bring out uh, for Roy Kirk?
2: Well, he let me do what I do best, and that was. Improvise. I was like a quarterback that could improvise and I could, you know, I call my own plays, but what we'll do, we'll sit down and make a short list uh, of plays that we're going to run against certain teams. And and if we're playing Grambling University, he'll say, these are the plays that we're going to run. Uh, and then, of course, and he said to me, of course, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, and this was Coach Merritt's words, too. Don't be afraid whenever you see an opening as a runner, run the ball. So a lot of times we were called a play because we were uh, a, 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 something like a split t team, and, and, and we were running a pro set also, but we we'll would run a lot of option and bootlegs. And mm-hmm. a lot of the time I'd be handing the ball off to someone, and if I read that the outside linebacker come down to stop the play, I would pull the ball and run. So I mm-hmm. could really improvise and do a lot of things as a runner. And uh, I think it was with my junior year, I led the team in rushing because, oh, I, I, man. I read that,
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. And, and
1: I'm curious, uh, in terms of when you watch the game nowadays, are, are there a lot of similarities in terms of of what you see teams uh, doing in in 2019, 2020, uh, as opposed to when you were playing uh, in 1961, 1962? Well, we were probably
2: one of the first teams that really were throwing the ball, because Coach mm. Mary's philosophy, Coach Mary's philosophy. Uh, Uh, Let's put it in the air. Let's put it in the air. We got the greatest receivers in the world, so let's put it in the air. And we were passing more than any team back in those days. Uh, Willie Richardson led the uh, uh, conference in uh, catches as a freshman, sophomore, junior, and a senior. And and of course, he was my favorite receiver because wherever you throw the ball, hey close to him, it was just <laughs> it, it, it was this ball. Wherever you threw it close to him. And of course we had Speedy Duncan coming out the backfield could catch. We had Lewis McGray a bit fullback. back. He would catch the shorter balls. We had uh Greer on the other side catching everything. So I just had great receivers and they could all go get the ball. But the greatest thing we had, we had a guy in the backfield, uh That uh man, he was tough. Uh, uh, Chico Jordan, Chico Hmm. Jordan was probably one of the greatest pound for pound running backs that ever been. So we, we, like I said, we were loaded. We were just loaded.
1: Yes, sir. And and you know, uh, in terms of uh, researching you uh, for this podcast, uh, I have to say Seth, Seth Schwartz wrote a tremendous article. Uh, detailing uh, your time there at Jackson State and and talking about the players and the 1961-1962 seasons. But, you know, one of the questions uh, that I I wanted to uh, ask, and and you've touched on it, is uh, Willie Richardson, uh, who is one of the the greatest wide receivers in Jackson State history. I, I just talk about Uh, his play during that time, and especially for our our, our generation now that just doesn't know uh, how great Willie Richardson was?
2: First of all, you got to say Willie Richardson was the greatest athlete that Hmm. probably ever been. I mean, this guy was fantastic. I mean, athletic man all through his body. Uh, People, you know, we used to play each other in high school, Willie and I. And uh, he he was from Coleman High School in Greenville. I was from Higginside and Clarksdale. But whenever we played each other, we knew it was going to be a hell of a game in basketball. And then when football season came around, we knew it was going to be a hell of a football game. I never will forget, uh, listen to this, We this was a football game played at Greenville on their field. And we led the game 26 to six at halftime. But when the game was over, in the second half they moved Willie Richardson from court, I mean from wide receiver to quarterback, and somehow they tied that game up 26-26. I just said it's <laughs> one of the greatest high school games I've ever seen. But he was one of the greatest athletes that ever been. And like I said wow. earlier, wherever you throw that ball, close to him. He was going to catch Mm -hmm. it. He was just that good. And when he got a chance to play at Baltimore, of course, they had all the great receivers at Baltimore, Raymond Berry and Johnny Orr and uh, the tight end, Mackey. Uh, It just wasn't enough balls coming to him. But when when Mm -hmm. they threw it his way, he made great plays.
1: You know, one of the things uh, that I really picked up on from the article uh, is there were a lot of people who, who talked about your time, and I have to say, I, I grew up listening to uh, stories of, of the great Roy Curry, and I'm, I'm uh, one of one thing that kept coming up was you could have easily have been uh, the first black quarterback in the NFL, and uh, from your perspective. How would you, I guess, describe uh, your playing style to maybe a modern-day player?
2: Well, my style will fit in fantastic right now because everybody found out that these quarterbacks now, they all can run the football, basically. I was looking at the naming of the top quarterbacks, the five top quarterbacks. Of course, they went with Mahomes. And they went with the uh, young man from the Raven, uh, who is that, Jackson? The oh, yes, yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they went with him. Uh, they went with uh, uh, Wilson. Uh, and then they went with the young man from uh, uh, Texas. Uh,
1: Deshaun um, Watson. Deshaun
2: yes, Watson. Yes,
1: Watson. Mm-hmm.
2: And then, of course, uh I think they were in the top four. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, And then came about, uh, Dak came in about the seventh quarterback. So I said, you know, all these guys can run the ball. So Mm -hmm. I would have fitted in great. But back in my time, they all wanted a quarterback that was six feet. Four six feet five, weighed two hundred thirty pounds, and was a pocket passer.
1: I see. You didn't have
2: too many runners back in old days. They mm-hmm. they didn't run the quarterback didn't run the ball too much back in old days. Uh, and then of course, uh, I was a runner as well as a passer. Mm-hmm. So I would have fitted in great. My style was more like Jackson. Michael Michael Vick.
0: Okay?
2: Wow. That was wow. my style. That was my style. Jackson or Michael Vick. So that's what made us, really that's what kept the offense moving all the time. Because
1: sure if
2: we would break down on some of our offensive players, I would add live and take it to the house.
1: Yes, it did. And, and I want to go back to this this Orange Blossom Classic game, uh, 1962, uh, Jackson State versus Florida A&M. And you guys uh, knock off Florida A&M for the Black College National Championship in 1962. Uh, Talk about just that experience uh, of playing uh, in Miami, Florida. Uh, It was the 30th annual Orange Blossom Classic and you not knock knocked off a team that had beaten you the year prior for the a uh, black college national championship.
2: That's correct. Big crowd. I mean you talk about a big crowd. See, we were used to playing in front of six to ten thousand people. And when we got down there, they said it was in the low low forties, but I think we're closer to fifty some thousand. And wow. when we got to that field uh, 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 to play the game, we came out. I mean, the bands were kicking. I mean, Florida A&M had a great band back in the old days. Uh, of course, Jackson State bought the band down, and it was mm-hmm. just great. I mean, it just was a great atmosphere. And, of course, when the game started, we knew from the previous year that we could beat them. And mm-hmm. of course, we just started the game. I think I gave Chico a, a trap play up the middle, and he went for a touchdown. Then, of course, uh, I threw another one, and it was just a game where we just we were in control the whole game. It,
1: mm-hmm. it was
2: a game where Jackson State just performed so well that night, so well, and then our defense was so tough because. Uh, I think the game ended up twenty-two to eight. Uh, I can't remember exactly the scores, but oh, yeah, I know twenty-two six. Twenty-two six. Okay, twenty-two yes. six. Mm-hmm. And it was a game where we just was in control. It, it was amazing. Then after that game, we got back to Jackson, man. Every we 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 uh, we had never flown before the first year we went up there. This was the second year flying up there, flying down there, at least, and and of course when we got back to the airport in Jackson, man, the 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 whole place was just filled with people, and and then we had the big parade, oh, everything was just fantastic, man, and and so half I was fortunate enough to be the MVP, the most valuable player in the game, and of course. When I stepped off the plane, everybody ran and grabbed me and pushed me up in the air and carried me over to the bus. Man, this was one of the greatest feelings I ever had in my life.
1: That is awesome. That is an awesome story to hear. And uh, we're talking with Roy Curry here on the Tiger Talk uh, with 1400 uh, Club Podcast. And and I just, you know, again, I keep referencing this article from uh, Seth, uh, Seth Swartz, and one thing that keeps coming out is, of course, they talk about your arm strength, your speed, your intelligence, and basically how you revolutionize the position. You are a 12th-round draft pick of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, how was that experience of of going to the Pittsburgh Steelers and, and, and trying to uh, make this uh, NFL ball club?
2: It was real tough, very tough. 'Cause I had been a quarterback all my life. And mm-hmm. the adjustment they moved me around quite a bit. Uh when I first got there they had me as running back. They was trying to make a a running back option pass out of me. Uh they were saying that uh Green Bay had Paul Horner. And uh, of course uh uh we think you can do the same thing. Uh but I was too light. Number one, I had trained so hard to make the team. I had come down from almost 200 pounds down to 180 some pounds. But I was fast. So they moved me out of the running back position and, and put me at defensive back. And that didn't work out too well. And then they moved me over to wide receiver. And with me being the wide receiver with all this speed, I could just run past people. And that's the way yeah. I made the team. That's the way I made the team because I had all the speed and I just could run past people.
1: I guess the the question I want to ask uh, Coach Curry is, I guess, are, are there any regrets that uh, during that time frame in America that uh, NFL teams just did not – uh, value uh, the, the African-American quarterback, the black quarterback during that time.
2: They didn't think we were smart enough. See, certain position that they wouldn't let uh, uh, Afro-Americans uh, play at that time. Uh, you didn't have, you couldn't play center. You couldn't play mm-hmm. center. You couldn't play linebacker. Uh, um, mm didn't have many offensive linemen at all. You'd be uh, The positions that they had for the black ball players were defensive line, defensive back, and you could play wide receiver and running back. Mm-hmm. But no quarterback, you couldn't play quarterback, you couldn't play center, you couldn't play offensive line, and you couldn't play linebacker. That's amazing.
1: You, you- it now, it really
2: is. And now, when you, uh, I, I was looking at one of the games the other night, and all, all position was covered on defense by black ball players. The that eleven guy the, the Super Bowl, <laughs> eleven guys that started in the Super Bowl, was all black. I I forget forget what game it was. And then, yes, of course, on offense, uh, all the wide receivers and running backs were black, so they only had uh, four white linemen and the quarterback. That's mm-hmm. amazing, isn't it?
1: That, that is really
2: not it that 22 guys that started, 17 of them were black on this team that played in the Super Bowl.
1: Uh, you talk about the evolution of the game to, to now uh, from the time you played. Uh, you know, when I look back at this article, uh, one of the things that really uh, stood out to me uh, was you were you were the quarterback who really worked out these guys uh, in the offseason, talking about uh, Gloucester Richardson and, and Willie Richardson. And I'm just curious. Uh, what were those workouts like, you know, helping them, I guess, sort of stay in shape? And and they still gush over the way you threw the football.
2: Oh, man, it it was amazing. Uh, These were the guys that were from Jackson. Uh, You you missed Lem Bunny. Lem Bunny. Lem Bunny, yes, sir. Mm -hmm. He was behind us, but he stopped off in Chicago a lot of time before he went to Detroit. Uh, Of course, again, We had all the Bears black ball players and we all get together in the evening time at Stagg Field here in Chicago. That's on the University of Chicago campus and I would be the quarterback throwing the ball to them all the time. And man, we had great times. We had great times. But they all thought, man, you you should have played quarterback in this game so you still can throw the ball. But you know, That was one of the mistakes I made in my life (laughs) because Mm -hmm. uh, a guy came to recruit me for the Canadian League, but I wanted to stay in the States because uh, I wanted to be close to home and let my people see me play. But if I would have gone to the Canadian League, you know, I would have probably stayed up there a long time because there were two great quarterbacks back in my time, uh, 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 my last two years, Sandy Stevenson, who played with the Minnesota Gophers, and myself, and they were trying to decide. He made All-American uh, 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 with the Division One teams, and uh, I made All-American with the Historical Black College, and they didn't know who was the best. A lot of wow. people thought I was better than Sandy Stevenson, but Sandy Stevenson ended up playing so many years up there with Montreal.
1: That is just tremendous history, and I'm so appreciative that uh, you you know are sharing this history with uh, our uh, our current generation of Jackson State fans who are uh, just as rabid. Uh, And uh, you know it brings the the question that I want to ask: Was there you you coached for quite a long time uh, in the Chicago area? Was there ever any thought to potentially coming back to Jackson State uh, in some coaching capacity?
2: almost came back in 1970, I think it was. No, it was in the late 60s I almost came mm-hmm. back. Uh, I see. I never will forget, uh, I think, uh, Dr. Page, Roger Page, was the head coach at that time.
1: Yes, sir. And,
2: uh, uh I almost came back to be the offensive coordinator for him. Uh, the only thing that happened was uh, it was a, really a money thing because mm-hmm. here in, the, in Chicago, the Sarah's was real big for my wife and I. And I the think- Sarah that I was going to get at Jackson State and, and compared to Chicago were half the money that my wife and I were making here, so we we, we turned it down. That's the only I thing. Totally I almost I almost came now because I I was looking forward to coming back to coaching at Jackson State, but it was a big big money difference.
1: Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And I and I'd be remiss uh, as we kind of come to a closing of this podcast uh, in, in talking about your 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 coaching prowess uh, in the Chicago area at Robeson High. You were there from 1969 to 2000, and you're a legend up there uh, as far as the coaching ranks, uh, Coach Curry. And just talk about that time in terms of, uh, of coaching uh, these teams at Robeson High and uh, the impact that you've made on your uh, student athletes up there in Chicago.
2: Well, they called me the godfather up here. Uh, I did a lot of great things here. Matter of fact, city ball when I came into Chicago, uh, they were basically three yards in a cloud of dust. But mm-hmm. when I got here, uh, we beca- uh, the city became a a passing uh, a, a, a scoop became passing scoops because I bought the passing game to the city of Chicago. Really. And, and and we had a small school but we could play with the big schools. And we were the first team in the city of Chicago to go to the state finals in the in, in, in the big school era, you know? And, mm-hmm. and, and and of course we we were just we were fantastic. As a matter of fact we were forty Second from winning the ball game. And we had, I had several ball players on that team that went on to do very well in professional ball. So we had great teams. Uh, Back in the middle 80s, we were the talk of the city. Uh, And then, of course, in the 90s, uh, we still were playing well. And as closed in on 2000, uh, our school got smaller and smaller. And so that's the year I just came out of coaching and teaching and went downtown to be uh, a coordinator for the city of Chicago.
1: Yes, sir. Uh, you know, in closing, are, are there any, I guess, parting words of wisdom to, to the current uh, generation of athletes that are out there? Uh, certainly uh, very trying times. Uh, and and, and I, you, of course, uh, play football during uh, some very trying times as well. But is there any sort of, uh, I guess, final words that you would uh, love to share with uh, uh, the current athlete?
2: Be a great student athlete, but outwork everybody. This has this always been my philosophy. Be a great student athlete, but outwork everybody. Hard work is the key to being successful. Uh I always remember Walter uh, when uh, I used to see him run up and down this hill here in Chicago, uh, mm-hmm. right outside of Chicago. Walter would run this hill, run this hill, and then of course, uh, Jerry Rice came along. He had a hill that he ran out there in San Francisco. But these guys, probably the two greatest ball players. That uh, came out of a uh, small college ball, but they outworked everybody. And of course, if you start thinking about who was the greatest wide receiver, Jerry Rice. Who wanted yes, the sir. greatest money backs, Walter Payton. He just got to work. You can't be afraid of working hard. But why are you working hard? Be a great student, also.
1: No doubt about it. Those are great parting words from from you, Coach Curry. I want to say again, thank you uh, for coming on uh, Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. Uh, It has been a tremendous honor and a privilege for me to talk to you. And as we close it out on this episode, uh, that'll do it here uh, for the Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. We want to thank all our listeners, and again, be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast. Apple users, rate and review the show, and everyone follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Twitter. Listen, we're looking to do some big things with this platform that aid the athletics department, and it all starts with you downloading, subscribing, and rating and reviewing the show. And tell every Tiger you know – We're on all podcast outlets, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and so on. And we'll be posting each episode on our Facebook and Twitter pages. And as always, thank you for your support. Go Tigers! Hashtag VILove.